You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because I'm looking at my clock and that's what it says. And it's time for Mission Log Live where we talk about all things Mission Log in the live format. And tonight we're talking about episode five, ah. The Examples. Yeah. Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery. Discovery. To be and, fair. <laughs> like, um, you got to be specific. There's, there's quite a few shows right now. I know. I'm like going through the Rolodex. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Star Trek Discovery. Yes, it's tonight. It's live. It's Star Trek Discovery. And with me, reminding me, just in case I forget, which I probably will most of the time, is Holly Day Hi. Amos. Hi. Hi. How many times do people make that joke in what? your presence, aside from me? Holly Day. Oh, um, wah, wah. a lot of people think I was born around Christmas. Not. Mm. No, or I was not. Okay. Um, but yeah, I get, you know, deck the halls with me. Holiday cheer. Hey. Yeah. I mean, I get a, there's a lot of there's a lot of holiday and Christmas jokes. You know, what's really funny is I worked at Bed Bath and Beyond for like two years, like 10 years ago. And there was a girl that I worked with. Her name was Noel. She was born on Christmas and her dad wanted to name her Christmas. And her mom was like, absolutely not. But we had name tags and mm-hmm. we were ringing people up in the same like area. And this guy was like, those aren't your real names. Cause it was Christmas time. And we were like, yeah, that's our, those are our names. And he's like, Cheery no, I, guy. I, I, he a hundred percent thought that it was like an act and that we were joking and that we had like these fake names because it was Christmas time. We we're like, no, those are our real names. We're Holly and Noel. Yeah. It's not like my name's Santa Claus, man. I mean, come on, have a sense of humor. Yeah. Right? No, my dad just liked the name. So I don't, it's, it has nothing to do with Christmas. Well, but this we mug does. Mm. I love your mug. It's so cool. Did you make that yourself? I didn't. I I think I've had this on the show before, and I had it last week. My mother. This is a Ractigino mug, but mm-hmm. the Ractigino mugs were vintage car mugs before cars had like mug holders. Oh, so, they so slide the wide the base yeah, yeah. was so that they wouldn't tip over in theory. Um, my mother found this at a vintage shop and got it for me for Christmas a few years ago. You're the best, Ma. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we jump into uh, Facebook and see uh, and say hi to all the chat that's going on because it is lighting up. Um, I'll let people. everyone know to how to call in and all that good stuff. Yeah. Get your questions and comments ready and give us a call. You know how to do it. Click on the Zoom link and use the, or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 699-900-6833. Enter the meeting code in the pass room and you will be in the Earl Green room. Huzzah. <laughs> Let's take a look at <laughs> I love seeing it. I Who's here? Know. My parents are probably here. Ah, John Cooley got here really early. So, uh, he's oh, he likes the, the uh, he likes the hum. Apparently we have um, like a hum, uh, engine hum. The Earl Green Room has like all the best effects. So if you want to hang out and, you know, and get that ASMR like effects and chill, yeah, that's where you want to be. Uh, let's see. We have Scott Palm here. Rand. What's up, Rand? Uh, Cindy. Hello, Cindy. Bob. There he is. Bob, I expect you to be top of the list. Um, the person who picked out the name Holly. There you go. Uh, we have a Paul. Hello, Brian. Hello, Alan. Hello, Alan. Uh, Brian, David. Let's see. We have Paul, right? I'm seeing one Paul. What's up with you, Pauls, nowadays? What's going on here? I'm so sad. Hi, Earl. We see Mission Log at Roddenberry Star Trek Podcast. Thank you for reminding <laughs> everyone as well. Um, we got shipped by Carlos Perez Horm. Uh, that'd be Holly and Norm or Nolly. 
I think is a little bit more exotic. Okay. Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like the second one. You know, like not only instead of horm, horm sounds. I mean, it sounds like you know I'm hanging out either Morn or the Gorn, like Gorn. Yeah, I thought there, of Gorn. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, finally, Paul Harvath. There you are, and Paul Wright, and Paul Harvath. You guys make me sad. Where's third Paul? Where's Trout one? You know, come on, guys. Shape up. Not here. Right. I think the Chris is. And oh no. Mm-hmm. Brian says normally. Oh, that wins. <laughs> So huge tonight. Well done. Plus one gold star, Brian Hart. That's the winner. (laughs) So uh, we got a lot of stuff uh, coming up on Mission Log this week. On Thursday, we're going to be dropping episode 431, The Changing Face of Evil. That's a big, dark, uh, deep space nine episode. Yeah, you guys are late. You're almost done. Yeah, we have... um, we have a couple recorded in the can, and then we're going to be coming up on. We're, we're going to be recording tomorrow night. So, yeah, we have three or four episodes left, considering that uh, what you leave behind is two parter. Yeah. So, uh, John has the dubious honor of being able to handle that one. And then, yeah, we're going to be wrapping up uh, Deep Space Nine fairly soon. Um, we also have uh, our weekly show, Mission Log Engage, you know, on the Rodney Bear YouTube network channel. So make sure you check that out. That's where John and I keep uh, finding interesting things to read about when, with the emails that come in on missionlog at roddenberry.com. Um, we have one of the Pauls, not one of these Pauls that are slacking in the chat, but we have another Paul who's been sending in really fun questions. We do a Wednesday lightning round of like, you know, like favorite episode, you know, favorite series, favorite character, who do you want to be, things like that. Um, so yeah, that's fun. And they're not as quick answers as you might think. Like, no, I was series. like, it can't be a lightning round. If you asked me something like that, I'd be like, well, I could tell you my favorite episodes real fast, but like, who, who do you want to be? I would be like, uh, Okay, too many thoughts on a lot of these things. Let me let me guess. Uh, I think if I you know do my social media um, memory uh, act correctly here, I'm going to put a card up to my forehead like the Great Karnak, and it's going to be take me out to the Hollow Suite. <laughs> what is Holly's yeah. favorite Deep Space Nine episode? That's Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Well, what's my favorite <laughs> Voyager episode? Which is also my favorite episode of all time. I. Timeless? No. Threshold? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, okay. blink of an eye. Favorite. Okay. It's a great sure episode. I'm not sure if I've seen that. I haven't seen all of Voyager yet. Oh, well, you guys are going to start on Voyager, so you will see it. It's season six. Season oh, six. okay. Uh, so you've got a ways, but it's a it's a great episode. It's very uh, good and concise storytelling with a very good scientific premise in 45 minutes wow yeah wait all time that's high praise mm-hmm. wow voyager's not even my favorite series but that episode is my favorite episode of all time see this is why there's too okay. much like weird like that's my favorite episode of all time but it's not my favorite like that's why i can't, I can't answer questions that quickly probably I have to throw some stuff on twitter i mean i just i remember like how much you love to share you have the, the uniform you have it signed by sid you were oh, yeah. in episode once so that just kind of like Stuck in my memory. I love right? Julian Bashir. Yes. There you go. Your man Bashir. Uh, and uh, tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday, we will be releasing um, one of our supplementals that's going to be helping us bridge the gap in that silence that is Prodigy right now until we get to, back to it on January 6th. So we're going to be releasing a very special interview that we did uh, with Nami, the composer, Nami uh, Melamud. 
yeah. the composer for Star Trek Prodigy, um, aside from Michael Giacchino, who does the, the just the theme music, but Nami talks about um, how she got into it and uh, kind of like the demands that uh, the show have like for all of her talents. It's it's she's so fascinating and so fun. She's the first, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, you guys. She's, I think she's the first female composer that we've had for like a lot, like a huge portion of a show. That main composer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I asked her, one of the questions was, and this is just a little bit of a spoiler, like, how did you feel about joining the ranks of, say, you know, Jeff Russo and um, uh, Dennis McCarthy and Jay Chataway, you know, obviously Alexander Courage, you know, and yeah. all of these great composers. Um, and she said that, uh, well, you'll hear it all tomorrow when yeah. you tune into. Don't ruin it. When you tune up, just a little, little, little nug, little nugget, you know, little spoiler. You can find that. Also on the Mission Log Prodigy channel on Roddenberry Entertainment and then podcast.roddenberry.com. So there's lots of stuff coming this week. Uh, And of course, you can also find Mission Log The Orville on those channels as well. Uh, All right. So what do you say, Holly, we get into a recap? Yeah, I haven't read your recap, so I'm going to be an audience. It's it's not as long as last time I was on. (laughs) The last two have been been really long, but it's so plot heavy. I I mean, these episodes, as much as I enjoyed this episode, I was like, man, I got to cut down. Like, how much plot can I cut out before it just doesn't make sense anymore? That's like no fat. It's all plot, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Well, maybe we've got some good storylines in this episode. So it was good. All righty. So let's jump into it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery season four, episode five, the examples. As the USS Janeway and the NSS Tapau come into visual range of the dark matter anomaly, it vanishes and then shortly after reappears a thousand light years away. Commander Stamets and Captain Burnham both conclude that no natural phenomenon like this can break every known law of physics unless the DMA was in fact manufactured and not a natural and reoccurring phenomenon. Burnham reports these findings to Admiral Vance and tells him that the DMA is encroaching on a former emerald chain colony populated by the Akali on the Radvek asteroid belt. The Federation's mission now is twofold. Evacuate the asteroid colony and save as many lives as possible while trying to discover who created the technology that is controlling the DMA. Vance has also informed Stamets and Burnham that Ruan Tarka, a scientist who is developing the bleeding-edge technology for Starfleet's next-generation spore drives, will be assisting in the investigation, much to Stamets' dismay. Upon arriving at Radvek, Burnham contacts the Akali magistrate, who informs her that over 1,200 evacuees, six of them are examples, prisoners who have been left behind by their wardens who fled their posts in panic of the evacuation. As as Saru oversees the general evacuation, Burnham and Book beam down to the planet to free the examples, along with Reese, who volunteers to help aid Saru's efforts on the surface. However, they are racing against time as transporters and communications will be compromised once the DMA is in range. As they approach the prison facility, Burnham and Book set their efforts towards freeing the examples from a heavily fortified prison facility, complete with exploding and mobile beetle-shaped mines. Back on Discovery, after checking in to see how Dr. Colbert is emotionally holding up, due to the immense amount of personal counseling he's been offering the crew, Stamets meets with Ron Tarka. And aside from his very brusque and impersonal attitude towards everyone around him, Tarka sets out to recreate the science which the DMA has been based upon in the Discovery's engine room. Saru is beyond apprehensive, but Stamets promises that this is the only way to prove his and Tarka's theory, 
which will lead them to whoever created the technology that made the DMA possible. After breaching the prison defenses, Burnham and Book engage with the six examples who have all been imprisoned unjustly for very minor infractions, all but one. Felix, the example who speaks for the rest, demands assurances for their freedom. Burnham assures them that she'll represent their legal interests once they are all safely aboard Discovery. Meanwhile, Dr. Kolber, in a very brief and brutally candid therapy session with Dr. Kovich, accepts the truth about his emotional weariness. Kovich, am I saying that right? Is it Kovich or Kovic? I think it's Kovich. I think it's Kovich. I think you're pronouncing it right. He's only his said fa- his, I think they've only said his name once so far. Keep going. Okay. Kovich, <laughs> in his very direct way, forces Kolber to accept his second chance at life and not to punish himself for surviving where many others have not. In Discovery's engine room, Stamus and Tarka are on the verge of proving their theory about DMA's technological origins, but their experiment proves to be far too dangerous to the safety of Discovery, and Saru has to shut them down before their so-called controlled experiment destroys the ship. After reviewing Starfleet regulations, Burnham assures Felix and the examples that she can grant them political asylum aboard the Discovery. With that in place, they prepare to leave, and Felix digs through his cell for a personal object a Laloji orb, traditionally used to record a Kali family history. However, a prison's failsafe activates, trapping them with only minutes before transporters and comms are rendered useless to escape. Burnham reprograms the explosive beetle mines to blow a hole in the doorway, allowing everyone to finally escape. The examples beam away to safety, but Felix gives Burnham the Laloji orb and chooses to stay behind to atone for the crime he committed 30 years ago. Back on the bridge, Burnham contacts Felix who confesses his crime for all to hear. 30 years ago, he murdered an Akali family man, orphaning his daughter after being offered food and shelter. He implores Burnham to find this daughter and give her the Laloji orb so she knows that her family heritage was not lost. And with his crime confessed, Felix is consumed, as is the asteroid chain, as it plunges into the nearby sun. After Spore jumping to safety... Burnham informs the Akali magistrate that the examples are now under her protection and points out that all of the Akali are now refugees in search of a kinder and more accepting society upon which to resettle. Burnham then finds the surviving daughter of the man Felix killed and gives her back her family's orb and her family's history as well. As things settle, both Stamets and Culber enjoy a moment of solace, understanding that amidst all that has happened to them, they still need time together to heal and to find a healthier path forward. Finally, Tarka and Book share a real non-synthaholic drink together in the crew lounge. Tarka is drawn towards Book's raw and real anger, something that Tarka is very familiar with, as Book quietly observes Tarka rub a large scar on the back of his neck. The end. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I just say, when Tarka walked in, I was like, my immediate response was, oh, rude. And then like <laughs> by the third scene, I was like, oh, no, do I love him? That's got, that guy's got some swagger, right? In his own way, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can see in my notes. You guys can't see, but Norman can see in my notes. It literally says, wow, rude. And then later it says, do I love him, though? <laughs> there's a thing about him. Like it, it, there's almost... Uh, <sighs> Once you say like, hey, you know what? This guy's not true. No, he's not here to impress anyone. Like he's here to get the job done. Yada, yada, yada. No, like, his, okay. his bluntness is, is kind of refreshing. He's like absolute candor, but in a different way. Right. Yeah. 
What's up, Mike? I heard the big sigh. <laughs> I get why I was going to say absolute candor and you took it from me, man, but good for you. So we're like, uh, we got the mind meld thing going on. So that's awesome. Welcome, welcome Captain Mike Richards. Welcome, welcome. Captain Mike. <laughs> so good to be here. Did not realize I was unmuted for that. I was just, oh, I man, didn't realize was, you were either. And I was, I was like, oh, I guess we have to. Just getting ready to say that. So I guess, what did I, I, guess what did I'm I do? In. I'm stealing um, his lines. But, <laughs> but man, three, uh, three really good episodes in a row. Um, really starting, uh, I think this show's really starting to strike a nice balance between, we were just talking about this in the Earl Green Room, uh, between serialized and episodic. You get a good, Is nice it? sort of, sort of, you know, well encapsulated, well told story, um, uh, with a payoff. So at the end of the day, yeah. you could tell Burnham was like, you know what? Today was a good day. Like, and, you know, a couple yeah. of hits, a couple of misses, but it was a good day. We helped some people. I helped this lady right here gather her past and, and her future. We got, uh, well, by the got way, she done. was, she was pregnant too. If, if, oh, fantastic. I, I did not notice that she was pregnant uh, when she turns um, around. So that's like, so and that's why she, are continuing. And that's why right. she said future generations, apparently not, uh-huh. I mean, more specifically other than just in the, the general term. And then we still got a little bit, you know, a little travel down the road, a little bit of, uh, you know, the dark matter anomaly or the DMA, if you will. That's right. The DMA. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, the, uh, that's the lowdown. <laughs> the introduction of the concept that the DMA is has been created by someone or some species. Well, I think it might have been a uh, a probe sent out to learn all that is learnable. And or, now it's uh, coming back to bring. Or perhaps a possible doomsday machine. Possible with energy. Pure that's right. energy. Pure absolutely pure so, so interesting to see like what everybody's immediate reaction was in that moment because my immediate reaction and i can't tell you why because it's completely illogical the, like almost immediately afterwards i was like no it can't be that because of reasons a b and c but i was like oh the borg and then i was like no it can't be the like just it, it, like the well no okay so the le- the reason why i thought the borg was because of the level of technological advancement that would be required to do that but the Borg are, they're a species that assimilates other species. It would not behoove them to kill everybody. Yes. So, like, you, destroy, I you can't assimilate yeah. what you've destroyed. But my immediate thought process was like technologically advanced the Borg. And then I was like, no, it can't be the Borg. But that's interesting that people had other like thought processes. As- there were some other things. It was, it was fun to hear the Metrons brought yeah. into the, uh, yeah, so the, 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 the <laughs> Metrons. Uh, no, what? No mention of the Malkotians, though. I mean, come on. There's other godlike. Beings, they're but, they're uh, just basically they're basically like the Mel- the, the Metrons light, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. As much as I love Spectre <laughs> the Gun, they are just like rehashed. And then I was thinking about how many things in space do disappear, but uh, we could we could probably spend plenty of time uh, naming naming all the things. Well, they got the caretakers uh, in there. They got the Q. They got the Iconians. You know, they they like talk like this is like big like celestial level hitting stuff i'm surprised i didn't throw like you know the prophets or the paw rates in there yeah yeah like, you know or something uh, like that well i mean maybe they didn't throw them in because that's the answer and they want <gasps> oh redirect i really oh hope that God. it's I, I actually really want it to be a species that we've never heard of before so i think giant giant uh what do you say giant star massive massive star uh probably some kind of dyson sphere sort of thing around it i don't know that we ever determined who built the dyson sphere in the episode relics you're still talking was... about that old relic <laughs> hey. i'm talking about the enterprise 1701 Oh, yeah, I, yeah, you know what? I hope it's like it's something that isn't uh, borrowing from, you know, another like, oh, here's here's my hope of hope, my wish of wishes. 
I don't want it to be some kind of like perverted, advanced, 900-year-old Section 31 tech. Please, no. Please, for the love of everything, no. Right? I don't want to see that. Unless you're like, hey, look, Section 31, let's rehash all that so that we can introduce maybe some momentum to get into the new series. I don't care. I don't want it to be Section 31 ever. (laughs) Maybe Maybe it's the Spheres mom. Um, we got the sphere and the sphere data, and now we got the spheres like mom. Well, we had Zora like being all empathetic, right? So Zora's yeah. cool, man. I mean, yeah. if if uh, one of my favorite episodes, that's just a weird short trek episode, was Calypso. Yeah, and basically they kind of intimidated, intimated, excuse me, that um, while the ship jumped forward a thousand years, like it continued to evolve during that thousand years and absorb and and uh assimilate if you will the sphere data and and gain consciousness and i thought that was a really neat story that was told during that episode and now we're starting to see that the ship did somehow take that sphere data maybe and become gain consciousness but i think that was the uh the crux of the episode calypso of short trek that that the Basically, in that in that nanosecond that it felt the crew took to jump a thousand years or nine hundred thirty years, whatever it was, the ship actually had nine hundred thirty years to evolve because maybe time passes differently for a oh that's our ship than it does a human or other carbon based life unit. Did any of you guys or, or did any of the um, any of the listeners out there get uh, the close encounters of the third kind vibe when you know Tarka brought in the potatoes? I was like, are you going to start carving I thought he was going to make a shape. Are, are, are you going to create Devil's Tower? Yeah. You know, the first the thing I thought, I was not thinking a ring with a P, but I was thinking this is going to be a, he's going to make a shape out of this. And there's probably so many other things he could have made with. But I really, I, I'm glad that you brought, that you brought him up because I, <laughs> I like uh, strong personalities. And I like uh, I, I respect smart people because I'm not one. So I I respect what people are. And he's got kind of those two things going for them. And I really, really enjoyed the interaction. One of my favorite lines laughed out loud was you probably don't like me. I love me and I'm not going to let anything happen to me. And therefore, nothing's going to happen to you. So I thought that I thought that was so much fun. But uh, what are we thinking? Uh, what are we thinking? Next thing is. I mean, the only oh, next thing I remember is uh, conspiracy. But was this? Uh, was, my wife mentioned there was something it, more recent. It's a controlling unit from from when they were enslaved by the Emerald Chain. That's exactly what she said. I had totally forgotten that. Yeah. So thank. You. I mean, he's Rysian, Rysian, yes. however you want to pronounce it. It's been pronounced several different ways. Um, so yeah, the, those they were enslaved by the Emerald Chain. So that was that's a scar that's left over from from the controller device. Excellent. That is exactly what she said. I will have to go and apologize. Which is why that conversation at the end is interesting when he's talking to book about like anger is useful. Yes. So there's something there. There's some edgy, edgy stuff there. She kept saying, I don't like him. I think he's a bad guy. And I'm like, I love him. I know because that was my immediate reaction too. I was like, this guy's rude. I don't like him. And then, you know, Two or three scenes later, I was like, no, I love him. So I'll be sad. I'll be sad if he's a if he's a bad guy. I, I, hope I definitely out. did. I mean, I think we and, and again, it's it's I mean, I feel like the show is really hitting its stride now. It's I've really enjoyed the last three episodes and, you know, really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Probably for the first time since, you know, at least the middle of season three. Okay. I'm this excited about the show. Super cool, man. Super cool. Um, so it. Honestly, though, what is your real prediction? Do you think about the DMA? Like, who do you think created it? 
I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think it could be anything, you know, from V'ger on steroids to uh, I honestly, Holly, I think you talked me out of it, but I too thought of the Borg. But you then, unlike me playing Yahtzee, you played chess and, and went two or three or four moves down unless, the road. Unless and said, no, the Borg have completely changed the way that they make more Borg. There's yeah. no reason for them to be wiping out entire civilizations. Ooh, maybe you can just kind of like pick up the chunks and assimilate that. Who knows? Not Yahtzee. Wait, hold on a second, Mike. I got to correct you on something. <laughs> You're on the bridge of the Orville. You're wearing an Orville shirt. It can't be Yahtzee. It has to be Latchcom. Come on, man. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I won. <laughs> you got to remember, it's about Latchcom. That is, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, we're getting ready to wrap up season one, man. Holly, uh, excuse me. Um, Jessica and I are going to record tomorrow morning. Uh, episode number 12, and then we're jumping into season two. There's 14 episodes with one two-parter, so there'll be 13 more uh, episodes of Mission Log the Orville coming before the March 10th release date, and then there's um, some news dropped on that, some new new cast members and a new look uh, on the ship. It's going to be great. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, keep up the good work. You and Jessica are like, you're you're killing it, and and, uh, you can always find Mike and Jessica on Mission Log the Orville on the Roddenberry Entertainment Channel on YouTube, obviously on podcast.roddenberry.com, but you want to see both of them in action on the bridges doing their thing. So it's been so much fun. And, and uh, Norman, uh, like you, I got my start sort of, uh, you know, we, we talked about Trek FM and I got involved there and John and, and you invited me to do this and Rod, and it's been fantastic. So thank you so much for your, uh, for your mentorship, your friendship and, and uh, tutoring uh, myself to kind of maybe get maybe not in the same ballpark as you, but uh, maybe a maybe a minor league ballpark of the same affiliate. So thank you, sir. I, I bet you, Chris uh, Jones over at Trek FM, he's getting tired of like Trek of uh, Roddenberry, like you know, <laughs> stealing his talent, <laughs> poaching his 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 podcasters. Mike, all I got to say is that I just swept away some of the marble bits. The statue was already there. Oh, very nice. Okay. Holly, Norman, thank you so much. I'll uh, talk Alan, to you. Alan, what, what are you rolling your eyeballs for? Is that too poetic for you? Come oh, on now. now. Have, now, okay, so we have to bring in Alan now that you're talking oh, to him. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I said that thing to Mike. He's like, oh, geez, cheesy. Nice job, Norm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow. That was going to be my line. I was going to be like, I was going to be like absolute candor. But uh, now, are you sure it was a, uh, a, the statue that was underneath all the dust was wasn't Mella Griffindon because that's uh, that could be kind of dangerous too I'm just uh, you know what I was just feeling it I was feeling uh, waxing poetic at the moment so excellent I gave you a nice send off get off my bridge get I'm out right (laughs) you're not even on a bridge you're in space I know space 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 um what's up Alan what's going on buddy oh boy no that was that was me just very briefly trying to remember what that was a reference to that was Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. You are correct, sir. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. But you have it's to do like, the Karnak oh. thing. Tonight is Karnak, so you got to hold an envelope to your head and say, "Cheesiest compliment ever." <laughs> <laughs> what Norm just paid Mike as a compliment. <laughs> so come on now. Oh uh, boy, you know it's it's I it's you know tis the season I guess you know it's. Uh, Everyone loves a, you know, you know, it's if you can't be cheesy around 
you know, Christmas time, then then when can you be? So it's all good. It's all. Do you good. feel like uh, you you get like a little bit of an emotional? I don't know. Uh, askewness during the holiday season. Askewness. A little, a little bit. <laughs> a, I askew, mean, askewness. Askew. <clears throat> You're emotionally askew, like one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 hard not to. I mean, it's you know. I think I think a lot of people have you know complicated relationships with with the holidays and i think that's you know true to to some extent for me but i i like to to think that it's a that it's a good time i mean i was just i i was just watching not one but two airings of the wizard of oz tonight so i mean how can you go wrong with that that doesn't uh, happen you know back on, back you watch, yeah you watched <laughs> it twice back. Well, it was on back to back. I caught. I mean, that's you know what I'm thinking yeah. that that's weird, and then I think about you know like 24 hours of a Christmas story. Like, exactly. Oh, yeah, it's not that weird. Same. <laughs> coincidentally, same channel. Oh uh, well, uh, you know, <laughs> everybody there just clocks out. <laughs> yeah. For like two weeks, and that's all they do. We're gonna run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do. We're, we're just gonna do this for for now, and that'll be fine. <laughs> um. I wonder if they'll ever like do like uh, I would love to see like a Hallmark channel kind of with Star Trek stuff, you know, like oh, relationships. Like, that would be some. Why? It Why, would... Holly? <laughs> She's like clutching her heart. Like, why did you say that? God. You wounded me so deeply. Oh, God. Oh, like, you I know, don't know. The, the Hallmark... or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Robert Beltran hasn't been in a Hallmark movie. And if he has, then apologies, Robert. But man, you'd be that, surprised. I would. I would certainly not be. I mean, I think my favorite. I'm not really a, a Hallmark movie aficionado. Uh, at least not currently. I haven't watched any in uh, you know a while for reasons. But you know, when when I did, when it was a part of my life, a big part of my life. One of the best things about it was spotting the crossovers between the Hallmark stuff and all of the the sci-fi action adventure CW stuff. Like I loved that Lexa Doig could simultaneously be a terrorist from the future and uh, 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 oh oh the yeah. Candace Cameron Bure's uh, goofy best friend from the murder from the murder ladies. You're on your own here, buddy. Yeah, I, I, might, I was oh, like, I might, yeah, I might have to redirect you back to discover the outside here. my realm of expertise. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're you're like going like way outside the DMA zone. You got to come yeah. back. Tuvok right, was come in. Back. Tuvok w- w- was in at least one. He was in at least one Christmas movie. Well, you know, he got, got a, actors got to pay the bills, man. I think, well, I think he got a trip to the Bahamas out of it. So there you go. Also a trip to the Bahamas always works. Yeah. You know, I do that for sure. Uh, Okay. So we have a, you know, we're, we're looking around this theory um, about the DMA and being man-made and what, what's your theory on it? Like, who do you think made it aside from the obvious, you know, name drops that they had in the episode? Well, I think they're close. They've, they've identified it as species 10 C I think they need to go one step further and have it be species 10 CC. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that it's actually the, the English rock band who did uh, I'm not in love. Oh, dude, 
Brilliant. Around the circle, people. Did you follow him around the room? Do you see uh-huh. that? Yeah. Two circles uh-huh. and a snap. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, You're flexing I so hard, man, with the puns right now. Oh, yeah. well, that's, that's to cover the fact that I really have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I agree, you know, at the end with uh, Mr. Tarka and his, like, yeah, they're they're idiots. It can't be. It's not the Metrons. It's not the you know the. Who can I had to on. look. I had to look it up that it, that they were referring to the uh, the caregiver species uh-huh. uh, from Voyager. You, I was yep. like, oh, that's what they're called. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. It, it's it's either it's either I doubt it's going to be something that we've never heard of before, but at the same time, I think that it. It's got to have some personal connection to something. Either it's um, maybe something that has gotten out of hand from an old emerald chain thing that uh, that he was working on with Aurelio and you know whatever else, uh, or possibly you know it's some. I, I, I liked the, the talk about the the, the sphere data and, and uh, Zora becoming conscious and and how you know maybe there's a maybe there's a connection there that uh, that some element of, of that is. I also am hoping it's not anything that relates to the season two uh, uh, section thirty one stuff. I'm, I'm happy that we left that in the past. Or did but we? Please. Or did we? <laughs> oh, boy. it's something from the mirror universe. Oh, God, exactly. No, it's the mirror universe. I can't do that of, either. Uh, Why would you do that to me? Of the controller program from from Section Thirty One. Let me ask Combined you both a question, with... um, and, and the audience too. I was gonna yeah. like, um, I was gonna take a break for doing Patreon, but I'm gonna talk about Patreon towards the end of the show because I really want to get into something that. Um, I thought was really, really interesting. There's been a lot of chatter uh, on social media about, and I didn't write down his name. Um, you all can help me on this one, but the actor who played Felix. Um, Ooh, okay. Really powerful performance, really engaging for oh. maybe like a one-off character. I found like, I just couldn't like, like him and, and uh, Tarka, they both just had me mesmerized, like just their performances. And I'm not sure how significant Felix's role is, I mean, obviously he was able to give, you know, um, the guy that he murdered his daughter, uh, her, her family history back, but wow, you know, uh, standing up for his crime, um, doing his penance, doing the right thing, leading by example. This is one of the things that in my notes where I said, you know, looking at leading by example, he did. He said like, nope, I got the people off because their crimes weren't nearly as severe as mine. I was here for a reason. I'm going to stick to my guns and say, I'm paying for it. But you got to get this back to this other, you know, this this child who's a grown woman now because I, I robbed her of her family history. Having a child of her own, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got to uh, uh, Actor's name is Michael Gray Eyes, and he's yeah. a yeah. native, um, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Nahia, which is Plains Cree from the Musseg Lake Cree Nation in Saskatchewan. Powerful acting performance. Yeah. Yeah. Great. He was he was super good, um, you know. Uh, it's it's sort of like 
just yeah just a very dynamic um performance and to do it in such a way that it was almost distressingly uh uh slow and methodical Mm. it's like Mm -hmm. the the whole time you know it it almost in a weird way it kind of felt like you know not not that not that it was you know comical or or meant to be something that should be made fun of but it was the kind of thing that lower decks does make fun of a lot where the 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 ship shows up and they're like okay we've got this thing that we need to do we have a very limited amount of time to do it and we need to uh okay are we all on board and the alien is like "Mm, hold on (laughs) i have conditions (laughs) and it's like all right all right yeah we're gonna okay we'll listen to your okay that's great can we nope we're gonna take this slow (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure that everyone knows what the situation is and why this is wrong and i was like okay yeah all right yep we we get that yeah now can we go yeah, time yeah, to that. Anytime that something like that is happening, and they like, there's like this long drawn out. I'm like, I would be if I was in that situation. If I was an officer that was with them and was trying to get everybody off this planet, I'd be like, I, I, we gotta, you gotta yeah. speed up your your. Come on, <laughs> we're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold that thought. Um, can we, yeah, can we keep this moving? This, but, uh, yeah. Can we do a walk and talk? You know, yeah. can we, uh... <laughs> I mean, the scenes make for really wonderful moments, and that was a great character. And I'm, yeah. I'm, his story was really interesting. But also, I was like, it's it's coming yeah. at you, guys. It, hurry up. So, was it just me? Because I really did like this episode quite a bit. Was it just me? But I'm like, guys, I'm putting a lot of effort in for six people, or is that the point? <laughs> Well, that's the that's the interesting moral conundrum, right? Which they've yeah. you know the the show has had for the last couple of episodes, which I'm appreciating. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you draw the line, Norman? Yeah, Michael. Well, I, w- I would draw the line with uh, we're not going anywhere. All right, mm-hmm. we came we came down. We wanted to help you guys. If you guys don't want our help, we're out of here. All right. right, we checked. We checked. Right? Everything we here. checked. <laughs> you would be able to. Okay. You would be able to go down there and be like, oh, you guys don't want to come with us? Okay, we tried. And then, like, watch them get destroyed and consciously you would be okay with that? If, if the time with your, limit- with your level of, of, like, trying to get them off the planet. If you tried and they don't want to go, they don't want to go, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I got 30 seconds to get all of you out of here. I'm going to spend 20 of them trying to get you out. I'm going to spend the next 10 leaving, Right. That's I mean, that's right. They, they tried. I'm not saying yeah. with, that they, they failed, but with gray eyes are like, look, like I know book was upset, but what's Michael going to do? Stay there and die with him. Like, what does that serve? What point does that make? Right. So, I mean, I understand like this guy wants to stay, but Burnham has no penance to pay. Yeah. You know, she has a ship to lead. <laughs> they need how her about, up there. How about these other five people that you very clearly want to uh, make sure make it out of here? Uh, let's let's make sure that they survive as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, think, I, I liked I yeah. liked that they were like, yeah, we're on board with it. Like, like what? I was jaywalking and I got thrown in jail. 
hell no, I'm not staying on this planet. Right. Somebody yeah. uh, stole food for their family, which I was very much like, oh, it's Jean Valjean. Valjean. We're, I, we're two, four, six, oh, one now. <laughs> I like to think that one of one of the two people who didn't get any speaking parts uh, fell into some flowers. Oh, why, Helen? <laughs> There's no justice for somebody like that. Why, Can why? there be justice where laws are absolute? Only when you have bigger guns. Mm. And I, that's, that's my story. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. I do agree, though. Michael, Michael does very much have this sort of like, no, no, no one gets left behind uh, attitude. And it's I'm sure it's, you know, it's all a byproduct of, uh, you know, all the accumulated trauma of, you know, leaving, leaving everyone, leading everyone to the future and then, you know, getting there and finding out that it's not what, what they expected it to be and having to rebuild everything and, you know, need needing to rebuild the Federation to, to a point where, you know, literally everyone who was once in the Federation must now be part of it again. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it really makes me wonder, you know, is this part of the, the lesson that Rillick was uh, trying to teach her back in the, back in the, in the first episode, like, right. You know, you, you, you can't, you have to be able to be good with, you know, your limitations, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's pretty much what the goal was. And, you know, to not, you know, put, you know, a little bit, you know, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one to a degree. You know, you can't risk everybody or is it worth risking everybody to save one person? I, you know, I'm yeah. for this episode, I'm, I'm less that. And yeah. well, I mean, that's certainly a question, but, but also, and I get it. She's the star of the show, but I'm always like, why are they sending the captain down? <laughs> her, like, her, and, yeah. I, I was thinking about that too because it, it almost feels, it almost feels like this is sort of one of the weird quirks of of how the 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 show has to be made right now because it always seemed to be seems to be, oh, I'm going and book is going with me, like. Yeah, I'm going to abbreviate like in my in my synopsis, I'm just going to call them like B squared. I'm like, I'm, I'm yeah. tired of like always typing like Burnham and book, Burnham and book, Burnham and book. Here's the thing <laughs> that kind of like just bugged me. I'm like, why didn't they give Reese that job? Right. He said like, hey, I want to help out. Give the he Asian brother gave, a chance. He even gave like a great like he even gave yeah. like a very heartfelt reasoning as to why like he really wanted to be helping in that scenario. Right. This is how you get like the other cast members involved. Right? Yeah. Give them an actual shot at the story <laughs> because he had an actual desire to go down and help out because of that. What you just said, Holly. And you know what? He could have had an interesting dilemma of whether or not he was going to try and get out Felix, not Burnham. Burnham is already kind of like learning that lesson. But what about mm-hmm. the other crew that could learn that lesson as well? And he has he's wearing, you know, he's an, a bridge officer. So he needs to learn these moments to, to you know, to basically uh, experience what it's like to, to make the hard call. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I just felt like, come on. You know, <laughs> he was there for he was almost there <laughs> and he wasn't. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and 
it, it, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to, um, Holly and I have a chance here, uh, rarely, if ever, um, because uh, usually uh, we're, we're flying by the show so quickly that we actually have a chance to look at our notes and actually discuss our notes. So I just want to stick around and oh, jump sure. into some of our, our, our deeper thoughts. But we always try and get in when we can uh, some of kind of like the deeper morals and meanings and messages of... So- our notes are so different. You and John like put out these like long like <laughs> thoughts. And I've just like, as I watch, I'm like, Janeway exclamation point. Like <laughs> I have the most disjointed. <laughs> notes. I, mine's like, I just put a lot of bullets, bullet points in my notes that make them look yeah, it's like super organized, <laughs> which <laughs> well, I appreciate. <laughs> well, I mean, you have Janeway. <laughs> I love that Janeway with an exclamation point. Must have been fun. All right, seeing that. To her, that's exciting. Yeah. Was and that, then, yes, that, the Tig finally showing up. <laughs> Where's she been? Right? I love her character, too. Oh, why, yeah. not, why can't you have, like, Tig just kind of every once in a while, like, peeking in or piping up or something? Like, I mean, truthfully, sudden- I have a feeling that a lot of, of absences or perceived absences are probably having to do with COVID right now. Most likely. Um, yeah. yeah. Most likely. So, I mean, that that's yeah. the real world reason. I feel like Tig was finally able to like get there or even scheduling. Cause like Tig's Tig's busy. She's, she's yeah. this is not the main thing that she does. And we're lucky to have her because she's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember them specifically talking about her and the, 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 the challenges of, of being, uh, of getting her on set with with um, the restrictions and everything, and how that would unfortunately limit her ability to be on the show. But I'm if it's if it's going to be stuff like this, then then great because I I do think that that she was sort of like definitely the the counterbalance to uh, our buddy our buddy Tarka. Uh, in terms of you know constantly being the okay let's not blow ourselves up today well like (laughs) Tarka and Stamets are both super amped right like they Mm want to figure this out great they're both scientists they great figure it out god I hope you do Tig's character Jet Reno is very much like sort of taking them down a couple of notches like hey i want to help you but yeah um, but maybe calm down <laughs> i was i found it interesting that you know it's kind of like uh when you have people with very similar personalities when they walk into a room to like see each other for the first time they're so similar that they hate each other because they kind of like see a mirror image of themselves and maybe they don't like it as much but once they actually started like when stamets and, and tarka started focusing on the job I think it was interesting watching Stamets start to appreciate his brilliance. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, this guy is, I mean, I'm smart, but this guy's really smart, you know, and like, let's get this thing done. That's, that's, I almost found like Tarka was like what Stamets was like when we first met him, like in season one of Discovery, where he was like super smart, but super arrogant and really just short with people who weren't nearly as smart as he, he is. And all of a sudden, now you're dealing with a bigger fish in the room. You're like, yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a bit of a cool guy, Stamets. Um, but I do I do give Stamets credit at the end that he was like, yeah, he's he's brilliant, but he also scares me. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's that's good. And I, I think that you know, not to 
you know, play the prediction game too hard, but I think maybe that's why I think what we're getting in, in the final scene is sort of like Tarka realizing, okay, I've gone as far as I can go with Stamets. He's going to play inside the box. You know, he'll push the box as, as far as I want to, but he's not going to go go outside of that when Saru and, and you know, the rest of the power structure is there. But this other guy, maybe maybe there's something there that I can, you know, use to whatever ends that I've got going on. Like, so I think, you think that you think that Tarka's work in the room. I think he's working the room. And I think uh, uh, Cleveland Booker is the next dance partner up on the card. Oh, maybe. So um, I thought that that um, that Stamich was saying what he said to Culber because and I don't, this is something I also wanted to get to. He's I think he's fearing a little bit for for Culber's sanity. A little you know, bit, yeah. And and we obviously saw that with Kovich, right? You know, what, what he was going through. Holly, what did you think about that? I mean, that whole scene kind of made me a little bit emotional. And I think that, you know, it's a continued conversation of a thread that we've seen throughout the season and, and throughout the last actual couple seasons of the show is, you know, the ad- Culber's admission that he needs help is important. Um. I don't think he was ever really meant to be, but like he's a doctor, a medical doctor, but I don't think he was ever really meant to be the counselor. That's a role that he's taken on himself. And um, Kovic's analysis of, of, of why he felt the need to sort of like take on that role was super interesting. Um, So in terms of his character development, I think that that was a really important and interesting scene, which, and again, I, I always appreciate the conversation about mental health. So. I think in, in some yeah. way, you know, we were dealing with um, like a, another example of examples, like examples is an interesting title. Right? I, I wrote down a couple of, yeah, um, it's got a couple like, of different meanings, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have the examples literally of, you know, the uh, Collins that were down there in prison, either justly or unjustly, you know, in, in the facility. But then you have all these different examples of archetypes that you think maybe are are in need of help or are starting to change a little bit. You had Burnham, right? You know, Burnham becoming the example that, uh, that a Starfleet leader, you know, perhaps, you know, needs to be uh, for somebody like a book. Right. It's like we can't save everyone as much as four episodes ago. That was her personality flaw. Like, right? I need to save everyone at the expense of everyone else. That's not this case. She's like, nope, mm-hmm. we're saving five. We're leaving one. That's the deal. We're out of here. The book's like, no, we can't. We have to save everyone. It's like, no, we can't. She's becoming something like that for maybe book. Felix, what I loved about him is that he was the example of standing up for your, for your responsibility. Right. He, he made his bed and he chose to lie in it. Right, which in and of itself, and this was something that was sort of swimming in my brain as I was watching it, is like his character, Felix genuinely feels as though he deserves to die for what he did. And that aside, the fact that he's able to admit that and tell the story about what he did, does that sort of put him in a situation in your eyes in which you would be like, he actually doesn't deserve to die because he's taking responsibility? I think that that's where I respected what Burnham did. He's like, I respect the choice that he made for himself. 
I can make like she could force him to do it, but that's taking away his right, his choice. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting situation. Even books like, no, get him out of here. We're saving everyone. It's like, no, no, no. This is what he has chosen to do to pay for his crime. Right. Yeah. And if you take that away from him and he lives out a life sentence in some jail cell or, you know, under diplomatic protection, what does that do to a person like him? Right. You know, he'll, he'll never have the satisfaction of being able to say, I, I, I chose this. I was able to go out on my own terms and make peace with that. Right. That's that's something that not a lot of people have the choice, you know, to make for themselves or to have people respect that about that choice. Um, the other thing that I was I found really interesting was um, Stam is kind of like being the example of knowing he was the once the all consuming workaholic and now seeing how Culbert has become that in his life. But I mean, we we analyze why, though, right? Like Kovich analyzed why he's he's like that. And um, psychologically, it's interesting. But I like how like I think there are a lot of us who have experienced grief where either personal grief or, um, you know, tangential, like somewhere in our life where we take we've buried ourselves in our work after my father died. That's all I did. That's all I did from sunup to sundown until mm-hmm. I had just enough sleep to be able to get back to work the next day, you know, because it's a <clears throat> distraction, you know, and if you're yeah. really good at your job or really enjoy your job, it can be the distraction that you need, but it's not necessarily allowing you to confront what needs yeah, to be Yeah, it's not with. necessarily healthy to not really like sit with your feelings. And I mean, I, um, after Grant passed away, I... I mean, I was already working a lot. Um, You know, I have a full-time job. I own my own company on the side of that. I do this on the side of that. I help out another friend's company. So like, essentially I sort of have four jobs. Um, Mm. So I was already working a lot and I did take some time off to sort of process, but weirdly enough, not necessarily work, but there was a time at the beginning of this year about six months after Grant passed away that I threw myself into DIY projects in my apartment that that I don't even own. So I recognize now that that was a distraction Mm -hmm. from, from what I was feeling. Yeah. And there, there is a little bit of it that's, that's sort of relatable and, and, and healthy. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't want to think about what I'm, you know, what's causing me pain and, you know, full disclosure, you know, I think some people in the, in the community, in the audience know my thing, but I've, you know, I've, I've had a rough couple of years too. And um, just going through kind of the same emotions, um, you know, yeah, you, you just, some of that's like, okay, I don't want to feel that way now. But what I've discovered and, you know, luckily it's something that sort of came to me early on was that it's okay to feel however I'm feeling. And it doesn't matter if it's happy, sad, you know, if it's, you know, feeling excited about whatever project I'm on, whatever, uh, whatever work I'm doing, whatever, you know, you know side project I'm doing, that's great. But if I'm feeling sad about the the thing that's causing me pain, 
then that's okay too. And to just allow myself to, to, to experience that. And that's, that's been, you know, the best way that I've, I feel like it's something that sort of helped keep me centered. And I don't know if that's useful for anyone else. I know, like I said, the the holidays are, are a complicated time for a lot of people. So if that, if that helps anybody out there, uh, that is, uh, you know, my, my gift to you. There's a level of balance, right? There's a level of balance, like completely, um, distracting yourself a hundred percent of the time so that you don't lose yeah. any of your feelings unhealthy, completely being ensconced by your grief at all times, a hundred percent of the time also unhealthy. So there has to be like a balance of you sort of addressing your feelings and analyzing them, but also allowing yourself time to continue to find joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm not a professional therapist, and I don't I don't claim to be, but I do believe that you know during the holiday season, it, it has the especially at this time of year, the end of the year, a lot of people do a lot of self reflection, a lot of people do a lot of spiritual soul searching, and if Make you find yourself, resolutions, things that yeah, they try and like reset everything. Yeah, there, there's a lot of very like high level, like emotional content that's being invested in uh, for a variety of different reasons for a variety of different people and for what they need. If you feel that you are overwhelmed, if you feel that you need to, uh, to reach out, you know, find someone that you can reach out to find the help that you need, find a connection, find somewhere to be able to at least stay um, stay within, you know, uh, a connected space with people or with just a person or a group of people that yeah. may be going through the same things. No one should have to go through any of this alone with the amount of technology that we have to be able to connect with other people. Yeah. You know, so do yourself, you know, a, do yourself a privilege, give yourself a gift, you know, this holiday season, if you need it, please do what you can to find <laughs> that, that connection, that outlet. Hey, can I can I say that that this is that for me in a lot of ways? I mean, I think you just did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm in many ways the most uh, introverted person that I that I think of can think of it in some ways. Um, a lot of a lot of this is the game face <laughs> of you know. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna talk to people. I'm gonna you know, make connections and hopefully be, you know, a positive influence on, on other people. And, you know, I hope that's the case. Um, it's sort of a promise that I, that I've made to myself and, you know, thank you guys for helping me keep it. Well, thank you for uh, staying connected with us and being a part of it. Yeah. That's, that's how this works. Right. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that you find, more than just value in it. I'm, I'm glad that you find meaning in it. And I hope that a lot of other people do too. Um, yeah. That's if, if for anything, being able to share like the positivity and the passion of fandom, uh, whether it's Star Trek or, or anything that you watch, if you find a group of commonality or, or a group of people that you have really strong interests with that you can share and be yourself with, that's something that can't be overlooked, right? Because you, you have immediate agency with people who you can, you can be yourself with to drop that, 
that fourth wall to drive the protectivism of not wanting to be hurt by you know society. At, at least there's that at the start, and then we'll see like how that progresses and develops and see how that matures for people. But there has to be a start, and you have to give yourself that chance. If there's like I said, if there's one gift that you could give yourself at you know during this time of reflection, it's the opportunity to be able to stay connected. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and Happy. with that, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to push this, but one of the ways that so many people have stayed connected with Mission Log is, hey. I know, I know it's so God, What a good segue. I know uh, it's, it's, it's good, but it's also, uh, it's a, it's a little schlocky, but at the same time though, uh, we have met so many great people through our Patreon program and through discord. Um, so many people have come on for as little as a dollar um, a month for their subscription, but they've been able to access probably the best uh, feature that we have for our Patreon subscribers. And that's our discord community. Um, being able to be part of that community, being able to grow and share and connect and contribute and stay dynamic and involved, I think has done a lot for a lot of people. It certainly has for me. I know it has for John. Uh, so that's something that we love sharing and we want to make sure that uh, everyone has at least the opportunity to take a look at that if that's worth uh, your investment and time as well. So uh, on behalf of everyone here at Roddenberry Podcast Network, thank you, Holly, for again being here with us tonight for Mission Log Live. Have a holly jolly Christmas. There you go. You've been oh saving God. that God. I'm one of those people now. <laughs> yes, you are. We love you for it. Uh, Alan, thanks for being such a great yeah. guest tonight. Oh, it, it's, as I said, it's, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, uh, to everyone out there, uh, happy, happy holidays where applicable. Yes. And uh, for me, uh, just be safe, be healthy, and be happy. And thank you for being part of our show tonight. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live is provided by the... i got to change John's words here. You're not a delegate. You're quite delicate. Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Happy holidays, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, protect yourself, and stay connected. Enjoy your fandom. Enjoy the end of the year. And we will be back with you soon next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.